Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome back into House of Wrestling, everybody. It's me, Nick Hausman. Drop your shoes at the door. Hang your hat on the coat rack over here. Help yourself to any seat in the living room. Sit here on the couch fireside today, talking all things pro wrestling with us. He's one of the most notable names in the pro wrestling podcast space. I would argue to say the most notable name in the pro wrestling park, pro, pro wrestling podcast space. It's Conrad Thompson. Conrad, thank you so much for taking the time today. Well, I don't know about that. I'll try to live up to your introduction, but thanks for having me, man. I'm excited about your new place. I'm loving the new digs. Congrats. Uh, yeah, man. We got some new curtains. I got a rug. The rug really ties the room together. You know, it does. It does. The big Lebowski taught us well. Thank you. Well, if you're watching us here right now in living color, technicolor, you're watching us on the premier streaming network. You want to catch every house of wrestling episode in video form. As soon as it comes out, Tuesday and Thursday, noon Eastern. You got to go over to premierstreamingnetwork.com or watch on premier.com. They both go to the same place. Sign up for Premier Plus and get the brand new episodes of House of Wrestling and all the great shows here at Premier Streaming Network. Uh, again, that's Premier Plus over at Premier Streaming Network. Um, and uh, yes, uh, of course, we have uh, the podcast feed, our podcast feed, the House of Wrestling podcast feed. Yesterday, I dropped this interview with Rick Bassman. Conrad, I'm sure you know who Rick is. Great guy. Great guy. Man, he hadn't done a podcast, he told me, in like over a year. Wow. And he just let the, he let, he let everything, he let the damn break, right? I, I mean, love it. I love it. That's what we're looking for. You know, it's always nice. You know, Conrad, when you're doing a, like you're talking to a wrestler, you're talking to a wrestling person and it just clicks and you're like, holy yes. shit, we are in the throes of something right now yes. that is going to resonate, you know? Absolutely. Congratulations, man. That's a great feeling when you get that. Oh, it's a high dude. It's a, it's, it's like, it's like pro wrestling journalism crack, you know? Yes. yes. <laughs> well said. I got, I broke bad yesterday, man. This thing has been blowing up yesterday. I put out uh, the, the quotes about how Rick is working with Goldberg and sting apparently to do a big show in Jerusalem, Israel in September. That's not wild. That's unbelievable, man. That's super exciting. Oh, nobody more over. Maybe the Von Eriks may be more over there. But then Goldberg, I would have to believe, would, would be the most over person you could book in Israel. I mean, and Sting, my goodness. Like, you got two of the biggest icons, you know, one of the biggest icons of the 90s, and I guess two of the biggest icons of the 90s. And they're still doing it today. And, yeah, man, nostalgia works. I can't wait to see what happens there and what the rest of that card looks like. So I got to ask you, Conrad, Goldberg goes on this radio show and he says, I want to do this four city <laughs> independent retirement tour. How quickly were you in touch with Goldberg as soon as you heard that? I haven't been. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, man. Now he's uh, he's not one of my um, uh, he's not somebody I've ever spent any time with. You know, he has me blocked on Twitter, so I, I don't know that that's going to happen. You're the guy for the last matches, though, right? Yeah, like, well, I was the one time. I was the one time. I don't know that I'll, I'll do that again. I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't, okay. uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. 
what the plan is, but I mean, we tried to do a bit of a, a story uh, as much as you know, you could on a one-off like that. And I would be curious to see how he does that with a, with a four show opportunity. I mean, there's ser- clear, clearly an appetite for, you know, nostalgia and for big wrestling events. It's a matter of, you know, he's obviously going to be strategic if Jerusalem maybe is one of the stops. My goodness. Maybe. Well, here's the thing, Conrad, when I heard Goldberg make this announcement, I had flashbacks to the Hogan Australia tour. Right. And I thought to myself, man, well, there's Goldberg's greatest opponent ever, Hogan, and him and Bischoff have already run this play, right? That that if you're gonna go to a cavalcade of people available to go run a four show tour with, I would think they would be maybe interested in participating. And then lo and behold, I think like two days later, Eric did it 83 weeks about that specific tour in Australia. And I don't know if that I just Sometimes I pull out my red string and my thumbtack and I just start connecting stuff. You know what I mean? Those are not connected. Hulk Hogan <laughs> will not be wrestling Goldberg on any of those shows. I haven't been in contact with Hogan, but I can assure you there will not be a Hogan Goldberg last match. What about a tag? What if they get together, take on, you know, the young bucks or something? I, I don't think there's any scenario where you see Hulk Hogan even holding a tag rope. No disrespect. He's my favorite. He's the reason I'm talking to you. I was a little Hulkamaniac. That's what got me into this, but sure. I think, uh, he's, uh, he's probably doing, I think that's fair to say. Okay, fine. Well, here's the thing. So as big as that news was, everybody picked up the Goldberg news yesterday. Yeah. I dropped, I dropped a story about two hours ago, Conrad. Um, that is getting two to one, even more traffic than that story already. And it is the story that, and it's, this is again from Rick Bassman. He was backstage at backlash. The Vince's office sign is gone. It is now Paul Levesque's office officially on the backstage sign in WWE. That is two to one more interesting for wrestling fans, Conrad. Yeah, it's, uh, it's fascinating that people are, um, still stuck on, Who's really in charge? Is it Vince? Is it Hunter? I mean, I don't know that I really care as a wrestling fan. I mean, I understand why it's interesting and it's intriguing, but like I watched every episode of the Sopranos and I never bothered to figure out now who wrote this one and who directed this one. And I didn't care. I, I was in love with the characters. So I, I don't really have that same fascination. I just assume it's Vince's company and his bidding will be done, but, uh, yeah, I guess it's interesting, man. You know, it is a changing of the guard maybe in that it's always said Vince's office and now it says something different. Correct. Yeah. I think the reason people care is just if the product's good or bad, they don't, they want to know who to, they want to know who to cast the eye of Sauron on if it's a bad product and they don't want to have to dislike Hunter because when Vince was gone, it seemed good, but you know, they don't know where to place the heat. If something's not good that they don't like. Who decides what's good or bad anymore? I, I, you know, I, I, Eric Bischoff has, uh, has, has had some fun with me on the podcast over the years debating this, but I think Jeff Jarrett maybe said it best where he said creative is subjective. Mm -hmm. And that took a while for me to really get my arms around and really resign myself to it because I've seen stuff that I didn't like and I jump in my group chat and they loved it. So I just kept my negative ass opinion to myself. Like, okay, just wasn't for me. Yeah. Art is subjective. It is. Yeah. So wrestling is certainly an art, certainly subjective, but, uh, I, I don't know when, when I'm thinking about, was this a good angle or not, man, I just take a look at that stock price. looks like a lot of good angles these days for well, WWE. And what I like is different than what I mean, you like and others like, yes. you know, yes. I, I, I was asked this the other day on a podcast. A lot of people ask you, you know, what's, what did you grow up on? You know, I always like the weird stuff. 
right? I always liked the weirder, more gimmicky the match was when I was a kid. I absolutely loved that. And it warmed my soul the other day when I saw Blacktop Bully. What it was, uh, who who played Blacktop Bully? It was Bully. No, it was, uh, who was Demolition Blacktop Bully? Smash. Demolition Smash. He was doing an interview talking about the 18-wheeler match with Dustin Rhodes. And he was just putting it over. Like, this is the greatest. We had so much effing fun. This is the greatest match of all time. And I loved that match. And for years, was conditioned to believe that was not a good match. But that's a good match, in my it opinion. Was, hey, you know what? It was out of a movie. That's what it was. <laughs> it was like a movie fight on pay-per-view. I, I liked those as a kid, too. You know, the more crazy, the more spectacular, the more fun. I only wish I was a little kid when they started doing the triple decker cage stuff. Like Ugh. I know they did one at a Crockett show, but I mean like the uncensored 95 cage where a 96, where it was, you know, a hundred heels versus Hogan and Savage. Dude, it, I was it, 10. That would have been great. Right. You loved it. Yes, of course. Of course. Here's how much I loved that match. Conrad, that triple cage match with Hogan versus the dungeon of doom. All right. It was that I watched the pre-show, right? The free pre-show. I actually didn't get to watch the pay-per-view. My grandma didn't pay for it. But I remember watching the pre-show on the pay-per-view feed when they used to do like half hour or whatever to like get you to buy it. I'd watch that every time. And they had a spot where they went over and Zeus. I've never been able to find the video for this. Maybe you or one of the people in your orbit could find this. But there was a shot where I think it's Shivani goes over the cage and Kevin Sullivan's putting over like, how dangerous the cage is, how sharp the, the the wire is on the cage. And he has Zeus take a head of lettuce and Zeus just shreds this lettuce on the, on the steel cage. He's grating it. And That's I never, amazing. I don't know why that visual is just emblazoned in my head. I've never been able to find it back. I hope I didn't just make this up. And like, well, listen, I don't make it up either. Cause I really want to see it now. So please, by all means, tag us. We got to see this. I got to wrap up this intro. All right. Lastly here, uh, I've started doing weekly uh, interviews for Inside the Ropes. I talked to Bobby Fish this week. It went up yesterday. Go check it out. Go support Inside the Ropes. Go watch my interview uh, with Bobby Fish. Uh, catch the highlights there. And then tomorrow on the House Rossi podcast feed, I'll drop the full audio of me and Bobby. So you can catch that tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Eastern in the House Rossi podcast feed, along with everything else from this past week. All right. Let's get into the news here today. Uh, really largely the news of the past 48 hours, the biggest news has been this big kind of, uh, epic, uh, report that Fightful put out, um, yesterday, all about what is going on here with the AEW CM Punk, uh, collision situation that is on the horizon here. Um, now, uh, some of this has kind of been talked about. Some of this is getting clarified. So we'll go through this beat by beat here. Now, first of all, uh, Tony Khan went on. Uh, dynamite last night and he announced once again that he's going to make a huge announcement uh, next week on dynamite all but implying by the way he talked about it with the massive amount of the roster and like how they need more shows that collision is likely going to be announced next week on dynamite Do you get that impression conrad i mean that's certainly what people are saying online i uh, i don't have a good read on what the announcements are you know i um once upon a time, I thought that they were going to announce Wembley and then someone said, oh, it's all in. I didn't know all in was Wembley. So my radar is a little off. I can't really call it. You know, I know there's a lot of rumor about this new TV show, but I don't know even a rumored start date. Do you know that yet? I think we'll find out. Well, June 17th, I think, is when they're running United. It's a Saturday night show. And with Punk coming okay. back, I think that's the one that people are kind of eyeing right now is the possible start of the collision show. But we're probably going to find out next week. What I think is interesting is 
the uh, WBD uh, upfronts are going to be next Wednesday morning, right? So okay, there you go. All so right. I I don't know if they announce it Wednesday morning and then Tony reannounces it on Dynamite, or if they do the upfronts and they announce that how much money, which we'll get to here in just a second, that they might be investing into AEW and to expect a big announcement tonight on Dynamite. But it seems like we're the the timing here is all lining up for next Wednesday for some kind of big announcement to be made. Man, I uh, I don't really know what to expect. I, as I'm looking on the AEW TIX website, they don't even have tickets on sale for that United show, so they're hoping they can announce it and sell it out in less than a month, huh? They kind of did that with Punk though, with the uh, with the last I, dance. I get that they did that the first time, but I mean that's a big that's a big arena to sell out very very quickly. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm just saying if that's the first one, man, that doesn't give them a ton of time. No, it doesn't. But, you know, we in Chicago, we get spoiled so much with AEW content. Like, they're here usually multiple times a year. Now, it yeah. has been noticeable that following the return performance of the Elite, where they mocked everybody in Chicago and, and whatever, we haven't seen AEW back in the Windy City since. So it has been a little bit longer stretch here than usual for us with, with regard to AEW content. But I just think, man, I... I don't underestimate AEW fans anymore. If there's some big story that they can be a part of, it'll be part of the history of AEW. Yes. They'll mortgage their house, right? <laughs> well, well, I hope not. I mean, I hope not. But yeah, I mean, I think that's great. I mean, I, I do agree with what you're saying and that they've got a hugely loyal fan base. And when I first started advertising my mortgage company on the radio, like 15 years ago, I tried like the biggest station in town and got no return. And then I tried a small sports talk station and man, it blew up. It was a massive success. And so what I learned from that was it doesn't necessarily matter to me as the advertiser, how big the audience is. What matters more is how engaged are they? And that much smaller talk radio audience was much more engaged than that much larger audience on the major station. So I'm saying all that to say there are a lot of AEW diehards and they are nothing if not loyal. So. I think they can do it, uh, especially with the excitement about a potential punk return. And man, this is a great time for the wrestling business. Look at what WWE just did. And if the rumors are true for AEW, this could be maybe the biggest year in wrestling history when you think about it. I think this could be the biggest quarter in wrestling yeah. history. I, I oh, think, yeah. you know, Q2 into Q3, 2023 is, I mean, this is a transitive time for professional yes. wrestling it, it's it's not it's the summer of everyone really we're all going along for a ride here and you and i love how you talk about how uh that the target audience right and how and, and you can motivate them to you know uh, you can engage them to to action right and wbd has been really great about that with aw i mean the sixty thousand tickets in wembley is certainly its own kind of statement but you see how wbd anytime they've had a project kind of like shark week or whatever tony khan is with open arms welcomed the opportunity to take his very, very loyal fan base of people that yeah. want to be engaged and say, go watch these shark shows. And I bet a fair amount of them do because they want to support AEW. And if that's what AEW is saying they, that they could do to support AEW in the brand, they'll, they'll probably go watch more sharks. You know, Well, let me say this. If there is a shark initiative coming down and we don't get shark boy on the show, it's a missed opportunity. God damn pal. Hell yeah. I agree with you. I'm just saying tadpole drinking um so the the expected announcement here collision 
It's going to maybe it's probably going to coincide with the upfronts and it's probably going to coincide with some kind of an announcement about a new TV rights deal that's going to encompass uh, Dynamite, Rampage and Collision. And this is a, this is something I finally get to talk about now that this report is about, because I had heard this number floated out a couple weeks ago from a source that I consider to be pretty reliable. Now, I had not had a second source be willing to even touch what I'm about to say with a 10 foot clown pole. But I was told a couple weeks ago that Tony Khan could be getting a billion dollars in this next TV rights deal. And it's not like for a year, right? It'd be stretched out over a couple years. Now, WWE did five for Fox, right? So it's not like there's never been a billion-dollar TV rights deal. Maybe Tony could get it over 10. I don't know about five. But a 10-year, $100 million commitment per year uh, valued at a billion dollars, I think that's in the realm of possibility right now, Conrad. Well, you know, the thing that always uh, struck me as noticeable is all of the all-in marketing material, nowhere does it say on pay-per-view. No. Usually it says the word pay-per-view, and it didn't. So I thought to myself, self, does this mean it's going to be on HBO Max or some other streaming app, or where is this going to be? And so when these rumors started to pop up that maybe this is a part of a larger deal, I just thought, man, high fives all around. You know, Tony's had this vision for a long, long time. And the idea that something he thought of in 2018 is now possibly going to be putting pen to paper on an eight figure deal. <laughs> I mean, a nine figure deal, a 10 figure deal. Yeah. I mean, like that would have, when you really think about just where wrestling was in 2018 and now, the idea that you could just sign a $10 million contract would have been crazy because nobody was getting television deals like that besides WWE. And then to fast forward and say, well, now move that decimal. Okay. Now move it again. Now move it again. It's like, wow, congrats, Tony and crew. Way to yeah, go. Man. Yeah. And you know, it is, if, if this does come to pass and you, you've got Tony Khan putting out a, a $1 billion TV rights deal, securing AEW spot on TNT and TBS for the next decade, no, all arguments are put to bed, right? And and yes. truth and truthfully, I now that every now that everybody knows what everybody's doing, right? I think that all the behind the scenes navigating recently has made a lot more sense because if Tony, because from what I have heard, Tony has been really wanting to get that billion dollar deal, and and that's where the idea for Collision, I believe, kind of came from. You know, I don't think it was about. I need to create another show to keep punk in the elite apart. I don't believe that. I believe Tony wanted a billion dollars and Warner brothers discovery said, if you want a billion dollars, here's what's going to take you to that billion dollar number. First of all, we're going to do the second flagship show. We're also going to need all the streaming rights to your shows. No more of this YouTube stuff. And we get the archives. I think this thing is, if it comes to pass as it has been kind of buzzed about to me, it's going to be massive, dude. It's going to be very, very big business for AEW. You know, they did a show a long time ago too, like the very first AEW house show, I guess, uh, at Daly's place, they filmed that and never released it. And as I understand it, the first, uh, traditional house rules event, I think they had cameras there too. So it would be interesting to see, are we going to see more of that content there as well? Like some of the stuff where, uh, there's been a lot of criticism of Tony Khan. I think folks are going to realize, Hey man, my dude was playing chess, not checkers. Bravo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and you know, however you got there, right. You can't say everybody made a hundred percent of the right moves here, but what did happen was Tony was smart enough to get the right people around him that have value 
and focus on those people. And one of those people here that I'm sure WBD said, we're going to give you a billion dollars. We need punk back, right? This guy is a TV draw. You've got him under contract, you know, use him or lose him. Right. So I think that punk probably got pulled in in that way. Either WWWBD wanted him or Tony said, here's a way I can offer more value. And he threw his punk punk's name out there either, or it doesn't matter. Punk's name got thrown back into the mix as a, as a means of value here. So there was the report that was coming out about punk having a meeting with Jericho. Now Fightful's got this new story out, like we said, and much like I've been saying, I don't believe necessarily that punk that Jericho is going to be punk's first opponent back from the way that fightful saying it, it sounds to them like punk is advocating for a different opponent, a big return opponent that is not Chris Jericho. And that is more in line with what I have been hearing because I don't think punk likes or wants to work with Jericho, regardless of how much Chris wants to be the locker room leader right now, you know? So man, you're uh, saying a lot of words here. Are, are, are these are these your reports or i mean have you confirmed that someone on one side of that table asked for punk or mentioned punk or is no this no no this was this was i believe it started with keller and it was dave it's just it's the fact that this meeting was happening and i've talked to people that are close to this situation too that tell me the plan is for punk and jericho to work together that's always been the plan that's the hope here and i don't i never believed it based off of what i know about have heard about what punk feels about Jericho. I never believed it. And so I've been sitting here saying, I, I think that the odds are that meeting was more about them trying to share a locker room and make sure they're going to be cool together. But, right. but a lot of people seemed, I, I had a, I have a bet for a slice of pizza with somebody in the know that claims up and down that, that Jericho was going to be punk's return opponent. I just don't buy it. I don't think so. Conrad, I don't think it's going to go down like that. I think punk will wrestle whoever, I mean, Punk on the Starcast stage, his first time doing anything with wrestling again. He said his biggest regret was he took stuff personally. He should have just did it more for the money. Yeah, you know. And and the reality is, you know, this this circumstance that has uh, existed for several months now, a lot of this I think uh, can be squashed and can be worked out. And I'm glad it looks like it's headed in that direction. But I'm of the opinion, man, what fans want to see is what they want to see. Give it to them. And if we believe. Uh, you know, we, we want to suspend our disbelief. You know, I'll never forget being excited when Matt Hardy wrestled edge, you know, 18 years ago or whatever it was. Cause it was like, okay, now that, that could be real. That's what we want. Like we want to suspend our disbelief and I can totally see those guys working together. I, I think punk is one of the most professional guys I ever worked with. I had a great experience with him at Starcast, And I think he's been maybe miscast in some of this stuff. Again, I don't know all the info, you know, much better than I, I wasn't there. I'm excited at the possibility of him being back. I didn't know it was a, a, a bargaining chip for television. Maybe that is the case, but I've heard, I've heard it was at least I've heard it. The value of punk was at least brought into the conversation. I'll put it that way. Uh, let me just say this from a P and L standpoint, as a business owner, I don't think anybody thinks he's there for, uh, the quote unquote NFL roster minimum. He's one of your highest paid guys. He's a top guy based on, based on taxes. So then by all means, we got to get a return on that investment. I would, I would make punk a big part of whatever show I could make him a big part of. It's it's, it, uh, it is unfortunate that these sites haven't been able to bury the hatchet, but as is being reported and kind of what I'm hearing right now, I don't know that that hatchet, I don't know that we're close to picking up the shovel to bury that thing. You know, I, I, I know a lot of people want it. I'm, I'm looking down the pipe at how, how does this play out, right? If there is the inability 
for these guys. You know, as Meltzer reported just this past week, he's like, well, if Punk's on collision, then uh, then the Bucks won't be there. But if he's not on collision, then, then the Bucks will be there. It just, it, it's I, just I think it's a that, huge I, distraction, you know? I think it's kind of silly. I, I think eventually guys will get in the same room and they'll work it out. You know, I hate to be so point blank about it, but I mean, listen, I, we, most of us don't get to pick who we work with. If you are a regular dude working a regular job, you don't get to pick everybody you work with. You like some guys better than others. You have some work friends, you have some acquaintances and you have some people you try to avoid, you know, uh, that's normal. And I don't think it's always been a harmonious locker room going back to the beginning of time in professional wrestling, even the beginning of AEW. So I know that this has been played out in the media, maybe a little more than it should have been, but. I think everybody will get together and it'll be fine. I mean, what we should be talking about is my man's going to get a billion freaking dollars. Allegedly that's what's more important. We'll figure out the rest. Like high fives all around. Let's take the win. If there was ever a reason to tell everybody to shut up, stand up straight, look professional. We got to, we got to rob the bank before we can divvy up the cash guys, you know? So it's a, it's a great time to be in AEW. I, I think, uh, a lot has been made of this, and I know it's it's been good for the buzz and the chatter and the clicks and all that jazz, but the headline should certainly be a new show and a boatload of cash, y'all. Come on. But that's the thing, Conrad, and, and it is this is really the story of this story, is that at no point has anything, like, ha- have they been able to stitch up the wound, and the, the distraction of this huge open wound continues to be the discussion. It was the discussion once word broke, about Punk and Cabana having whatever issues and Cabana being slotted wherever, and it and and that story didn't get squashed, right? That pissed Punk off. Then Punk goes out there, opens the wound even more. Then we have a physical fight, right? Now the wound is has been pried open even more, and we're still not having to the point where the arms are being wrapped around this situation. These guys are working together. It has been more than a year of this, where it's just like this distraction would go away if you would all just snipe, stop sniping at each other. But they're not, and that's why it's still the story, you know. I, you know, I'm not there. I can't speak to the conjecture of 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 what has or hasn't happened. All I know is, in the end, everybody's there to make money. Like nobody just shows up there randomly because they want to have a good time. Uh, <laughs> they're not there to volunteer their time. They're there to do a job and get paid. And now, you know, with if if these stories are true, there might be an opportunity for you to do an even better job and get an even better paycheck. That should be the priority. And I don't really know what's happening or not happening behind the scenes with the drama. I know it makes for some good reading, uh, but in the end, I'd rather focus on the stories that are happening on camera. And before you know it, that AEW pay-per-view, it's going to be here, man. They got so much going on. Sort of lost in the shuffle is we're a couple of weeks away from one of their biggest events. Yeah, and I've I've I read the WrestleTix report that ticket sales have dramatically slowed. I don't think that show is sold out. I think they've only sold like a couple hundred tickets in the past couple of weeks. Um, it it is it is you know I think what it is is everybody's looking past double or nothing to Wembley. And if the main event was stronger, I think that that wouldn't be an issue. But I don't think you know Bet Online put out their odds. They got MJF at ninety eight percent to win this thing. I I just don't think anybody is buying into that main event right now or, or has any believability that either of these three are going to beat MJF. Dar- Double or nothing has been one of their marquee events since the very beginning. And it would be a shame if that one just got overlooked. I mean, I think a lot of people even look at that since it was their inaugural event. That's almost like 
you know, their WrestleMania. Now, certainly all in becomes that, but just because of the, you know, the stature of Wembley stadium, but man, I hope this one doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Cause this is a big event and it's always, I mean, I've got my plans of where I'm going to watch it with and who I'm watching it with. I'm fired up for it because they always bring out a good show for double or nothing. But I do admit it feels like the buzz is around everything else. It's around all in it's around the new TV deal. It's around the backstage drama or whatever it might be. So there's lots of other chatter that I think has served almost as a distraction for their big premium live event coming up in a couple of weeks. That's what I've been trying to say. It's all these distractions, right? Like, you know, WWE uh, has its faults, obviously. But one thing they've done a great job of recently is quelling these kinds of these kinds of issues. You know, uh, again, talking to Rick Bassman, who was backstage at Backlash, he came out glowing. He's like, this is the best backstage environment I've ever seen at WWE. Everybody was having a blast. Everybody felt well taken care of. Vince wasn't around. The sign got changed, so the looming specter of Vince McMahon isn't even there anymore for people that had been traumatized and didn't want to have to worry about his presence. You know, it it, it seems like WWE has has got that under control at least for the time being, right? And then you look over at the AEW, and you wanna you wanna see that happen there as well, where again you can put your arms around this, get everybody on the same page get them all sane politically, publicly, what you want them to be saying to squash this story, and then put the focus back on the product. You know, that's what I'm hoping for going into Why would you squash the story? Why wouldn't you turn it into a story? <sighs> uh, you can't, if you can, if you can pull it off and make money, I would. I don't think they can. And I, that's, think they can. I don't think so. I don't think they can. I mean, let me not ask right you now. this. If, if this was WWE and not AEW, what would you say then? Could they put it aside and, and squash it and draw them, turn it into a story? They, and they, they would probably put them on different brands. And actually, because they have a brand split, they would probably keep them apart in a meaningful way and kind of similarly like what Meltzer's doing. I mean, I think they'd force them to coexist. I don't think you're going to have anybody hiding in a bus and running back and forth from the ring to, to keep them out of the locker room. But I think you'd, I think they'd probably put space between them. I think there'd probably be a sit-down like, hey, we understand the situation. And it would probably be sink or swim. Whichever one of them draws more money probably would be favored and whoever draws less money would probably lose that situation and be looked at as difficult to deal with and probably be demoted or gone how do you decide who draws money in 2023 um well if you're asking brandon thurston he'd probably tell you viewership you know uh if it like mjf like i'm i i like max uh i think there's still some kinks to be worked out Wait, hang on hang on hang on how is how is viewership drawing money well, here's why. Because if you can show that people are willing to tune in, like if you can point to this consistently and say, look, when I'm on TV, there's a bump here. There's an interest here, right? And just like you said, there's an, I, I have more of a chance of advertising on a small sports podcast than on like whatever big national network. If you know there's a niche there of people that are dedicated to this person that are willing to go out of their way to engage them, to watch them on TV, that's a person that will probably sell more shirts, right? Which is true. Now, the short metric is what I was hoping you were going to say, because viewership to me is not drawing money. But I think the viewership is indicative of who sells more shirts and who draws more tickets at live events. And I do think there's a case to be made for that. I think it is a, a brom because look at the top guys. Cena comes on TV. Goldberg comes on TV. Roman comes on TV. MJF comes on TV. People tune in. More shirts get sold, more tickets get sold. I, I think that there's a, I think there's a, an algorithm there. I could bring Brandon on, but I think there's an algorithm there to, to prove 
who's a draw financially, you know, why didn't it work that way for TNA? You know, TNA had great ratings and never sold any pay-per-views and their merch was minuscule, but they had great ratings. Well, How do you all that? well, I think that they, I think creatively, I think name wise, you know, people were tuning in to see Hogan and Jeff Hardy and all that. But, you know, again, big names can only take you so far. I think that the storylines they're attached to are also going to help you sell those tickets and, and uh, pay-per-views. So, it is probably a combination of intrigue and creative. I would I'm say just that. saying like the knockouts got like the highest ratings, but they didn't sell the most merch and they didn't sell the most pay-per-views. I mean, I understand that that viewership is a metric, but to me, the only way to draw money in wrestling now is merch. I mean, uh, certainly ticket sales and, and, and we've seen like, well, here's a great example. When they would announce that Cena was coming, but coming back, a, a very smart person in wrestling told me Cena fills Roman's empty seats. Uh, that, that to me is, is drawing money viewership. Eh, I mean, we're getting a guaranteed television rights. We're getting this amount. It's guaranteed a, a quarter, a good quarter hour here or there. Is that really that big a deal in the scheme of things? Guys going out of their way to vote with their wallet and say, Hey, I'm going to give you $30 for this shirt. I'm going to give you $60 for this pay-per-view. Now that matters. And I am curious if you say that ticket sales are soft in Vegas, I haven't seen that. Do you think that some of the blame will be shifted? to MJF for that because I, a generation I, I, ago, people used to say, well, the champion draws the house. I don't even think that's real anymore. I mean, I know in the Hogan era and the Austin era, but I don't think people say, Oh honey, turn the car around. I didn't know. So-and-so was going to be there. I don't think that's the case day in, day out. Now, I'm not saying sh- punk in Chicago. I'm not arguing that, but I am saying, well, I wasn't interested in this show, but now that I know so-and-so is there, let me turn the car around. Unless it is a Cena level guy. I I love this conversation, first of all. I think that in regard to the viewership uh, with a guy like MJF, it's twofold, right? The value, right, is part fan, part uh, TV TV rights, which is a huge moneymaker for pro wrestling. It's the biggest moneymaker for yes. pro wrestling companies at the, at the moment. If you have a talent that ha- like MJF, they can say every quarter hour I'm on, the viewership goes up. More people tune in, and that's not an anomaly. That's every single time, right? S- same goes for CM Punk. To the TV rights people who are looking, uh, who are want, who you're wanting to pay you a billion dollars, they're like, we want as many of those people that can draw more viewers to this show, so we can sell cars or candy bars or whatever it may be. So, yeah. so I do think that you could shift some blame to MJF for a light draw at Double or Nothing, and I also think you could shift some blame to MJF for the creative going into his main event because I have heard that he is very much uh influential in his booking these days um but i don't think you could put the heat on him when it comes to how much money he got for you in that tv rights deal which is probably more than other talents on your roster so it's half of one two dozen of another kind of deal you know well it's like we've always said uh on on our old nostalgia podcast that we do because i ask all of my hosts and to a man everyone says that you draw the most money with story and if this has not been a story that has sold a bunch of tickets I don't think it's MJF's fault. I don't think he can place any of the blame on MJF. I think it's, Hey, we didn't like that story as well as some others, but I still think there's time to pull the nose up. I mean, I didn't get to see all of last night's show, but I saw the finish of the, of the, of the last segment. And, you know, we've seen some teases, uh, before it's interesting to think what match might be added for Kenny Omega. I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what that could look like in Las Vegas. Oh yeah. Yeah. We shall see. I mean, there's like you said, absolutely still some time here right now. I, I think that with max, 
I obviously he people love Max, right? People tune in to watch Max. I don't. Days. I hate him. He's a turd human. He's a but, bad guy. Well, here's the thing: is anytime that I bring up, oh, I don't know if he's the best heel, people get so upset and they tell me how much they love MJF, and I just kind of roll my eyes. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I think you're proving my point to me right now because the problem for me with Max right now is he's so over. When you put him in the ring with another baby face, the baby face you're putting Max up against is not going to get cheered. And you can't build new money-making baby faces with a top heel that gets more baby face love than the baby faces you're putting him up against. And that is the wall. I think that you run up against with MJF where yes, MJF is a draw. People love MJF. But is MJF spreading that around? Is he making others around him? Well, well, I don't think so. Now, I now. don't think so. He is a one man NWO. Let's oh, just call oh, it wow. Oh, MJF is I'm, a one man NWO. I'm and as Eric Bischoff, okay. it's possible for him to do this. Sting did it. But remember, the NWO became the first cool heels. Right. Like they were the first heels. They're the we're bad guys. We're wearing black hats. We're going to tell you we're bad guys. We're going to do bad stuff. And we're going to be cool doing it. And people just gravitated to it and it became a huge sensation, but they kept staying cool and they built it for like 18 months. And then maybe they could have finished it a little differently, but still it's possible they could have one really cool baby face. And I just think Who maybe we might time to get there. Who is that person then Conrad? I mean, I got to think, you know, you could do it again with, uh, with punk and MJF. I agree. That's where that's where my head's at. If there's anybody that could dance with Max right now and get this thing back on the tracks and make that main event title picture look important, I think Max and Punk. That's where I'd go with it. I mean, r- the reality is, if he if he does get through Vegas and he's still the champ, and we've got the United Center, as you think, on the new show, man, is that not a great way to kick off the new show? We're going right to Max versus MJ uh, Max versus uh, Punk. That's a home run. And, and they know how to run this play. Max cheats to beat Punk in the United Center, and then they set up the rematch at Wembley. And I think that people would be along for that ride. I, I It worked last time. I don't know why it wouldn't work again. I, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, I know that you're saying there are some real things that we can't overcome, and I'll have to take your word for it because I've never seen those. In, in, in all my life and business as a 40, almost two-year-old man, my mortal enemies, I've been able to find some sort of common ground uh, and, and us come around and figure it out. And I think that they will too here, but I just got to think we got to take the real life stuff and make it a story. It's right there and it's what fans want and it would do gangbuster business and have everybody talking about it. Sometimes it, we don't need to overthink this. We should just do it at some point. I for a lot of and, I, and we'll jump off this because there are a couple of other things I want to talk about here in the last like five minutes or so. But I, it, I am interested to watch how the next three four months play out with this story because again, it's still going to be a story. It's still going to be a distraction as long as everybody's not talking and not doing business together. Because if they get through the summer and this thing is still messy, we're eye in the end of the year at that point. Then and these look Kenny the Bucks. It's not lost on them what happened with Cody over in WWE. And right. if, if you're going to run back Cody and Roman next year at WrestleMania, which is rumored and Cody's certainly not playing down, how do you make that match more interesting than it was this year? I think Cody with the EVPs helping him uh, settle the odds with, with the bloodline could probably reinvigorate that there and, and make it more meaningful. And I think everybody involved probably knows that. I mean, listen, I hear you, but to me, I don't know why anybody would want to leave AEW right now. Like AEW's just got to be a dream gig. 
And I know there's a lot of people who don't see that, but I do. And, uh, yeah, I would want to be an AEW dude for life. That's just me. Why would Drew McIntyre leave WWE right now? He's got a mint, right? He's set for life. But at a certain point, you know, you want to just kind of maybe test the waters, try something out, shake it up, do something different. You know, it's not not uncommon. I, I think Cody, again, I don't, you know, I don't think Cody left on like the worst of terms with AEW. I think he was frustrated for a variety of reasons. But once he pulled the Band-Aid and got out and went to WWE, everybody seems a lot effing happier, right? Everybody, everybody kind of did what they felt they needed to do. The Cody thing worked out the way it was supposed to, but I think there's probably more hard feelings there than maybe people talk about. I'm not allowed to talk about that, Conrad, because every time I do, Cody goes on Instagram or something. And he says, I love my friends over at AEW. I no, like, I know oh. he does. I don't, I don't mean to insinuate that. I'm just saying, man, I, I'm just thinking about myself. I don't have any inside knowledge of this. If I felt like I started something new with this cast of guys, these band of brothers, and then we weren't together anymore, there's going to be... I mean, like if you have two pieces of wood glued together and you pull them apart, neither one of them are the exact same as they were before. There's little pieces on either side. Like it, it's just, it's always going to be different. And that's the way I assume it is. But yeah, I mean, it all worked out the way it was supposed to. I mean, look at what AEW's doing now. They haven't missed a beat. Good for them. I feel like I'm in an Alabama courtroom right now where you're like, it's two pieces of wood, jury, and you pull them apart and they're a little bit different on the other side, you know? They are. They are. Uh, all right. The last couple of things I wanted to bring up here. Uh, first of all, Miro and Thunder Rosa both came back on AEW. Uh, Fightful's report said that the collision show obviously going to open up space for more talent. Some big names that have been sidelined could be coming back here. Both uh, Miro and Rosa walked into Tony Khan's office backstage. That was his segment. Um, any thoughts on the return of Miro and, and Thunder Rosa? I thought it was really cool to see a surprise return on TV. Like, you know, what we want is we want to keep us guessing. And sometimes I feel like whenever AEW posts, you know, tonight on dynamite, they'll post that graphic and it literally has everything. So because I don't, I mean, I kind of know what to expect. I feel like I can pick and choose what I'm going to watch. I feel like there's times where I wish I didn't know and just hit somebody's music and I'm surprised. And so when we got to see Miro and it was a surprise, that was really cool. I'm a big Mm -hmm. Miro fan. Can't wait to see what he's going to do when he's back. And I think a lot of us have been wondering, Hey man, when or if, Will he be back? And I was just glad to see him on TV. Same. Very much the same. And Tony Khan, again, he's held so much back recently. And a lot of these weird decisions uh, as of late, I think, are all going to start to make a lot more sense. And I say weird yes. in the in the sense that it's like, why would he do that? A lot of those kind of why would he do that things that have happened in recent months are going to start to make a lot more sense. Um, and also, a uh, last thing coming out of that Fightful report, they're saying Rampage is going to become like WWE Heat and that uh, ROH is going to become this uh, – territory for tony to look at independent talent give them a chance there maybe to to bring on to aw but uh like we already knew that had been reported before wbd does not seem interested in ring of honor right now they want to put all their chips on aw and i don't blame them why would you want to split your focus one thing is working let's let's make sure we can get as much out of aw as possible and not have to deal with distractions right yeah i mean i think that makes sense and and i'm excited for you know what the rest of 2023 looks like not just for aw but wwe like and i think this gets lost sometimes because there's so much tribalism and fandom but there's no other way to spin aew potentially getting a new big deal as a positive for everyone in the entire industry so this is high fives all around on both sides i think yeah, great stuff. All right, and uh, lastly here, Conrad, you did come up on the Business of the Business podcast, AAA President Dorian Roldan. Uh, he spoke 
about how you were going to work with him on a show for Mania Weekend, but then it all fell apart because of poor Phoenix ticket sales. Did I get that right? Is that accurate of, of what happened? Yeah, we had a lot of hypotheticals. You know, he yeah. um, he and I worked together a little bit when we put together uh, the Lucha match on Ric Flair's last match. And so he actually came into Nashville and attended his first star cast and saw the roast of Ric Flair and saw some of the panels and saw how the meet and greets were going. And he really liked the idea of seeing if there was a way to do something like that in Mexico. So, uh, he flew me and the guest down and we got to hang out at one of his, uh, hard rock shows. And it was fantastic. It was a blast. And he invited me to come back and check out triple mania. And I'd always wanted to go to a triple mania. So I was excited to go do that. And we had lots of sort of what if type conversations. And I knew he had that big Phoenix show coming. I did not attend that one, but as I understand it, it was a really smooth and well done and really fun show, but I don't think it was financially successful. So maybe some of the big ideas he had, he just said, Hey, maybe later, but we definitely had a lot of, Hey, what if type conversations, but we never got so far as here's the card and here's the arena and you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, he had hypothetical site valuations and all that from what I understand, but I don't think it ever got to the point where he put pen to paper and okay, here's the building. And now we need da da da. So fun idea. I think maybe because there were so many, uh, Spanish speaking folks in the Los Angeles area, it felt like, Hey, this could be a no brainer. And it just wasn't the right time business wise. So maybe he'll try it again in the future. I would love to see it. I mean, that whole when worlds collide pay-per-view years ago, like, uh, when I was going down to, to see uh, triple mania, I watched that show back and man, that was a blast. I would love to see him have some big shows here stateside. And who doesn't want to see Goldberg versus El Eo de Vikingo, right? Well, me, I don't, I don't think I'd want to see that one. You could use, you could use bill like a pummel horse. It'd be wonderful. Um, I mean, that's a great question. <laughs> Serious business. If you were trying to book a Goldberg four city retirement tour, who would you get? Uh, you know, again, I, I think some kind of tag match with Hulk would probably be the best. But Hulk can't do it. I mean, Hulk's just I not physically able to do it. So what I, else is left? I, you'd have to make a deal with, with Tony to get some names for him to work with. I, everybody's everybody's kind of signed. I mean, with Tony's going to – Tony, from what I've heard, is going to sign even more people now because of this deal and because of the added TV time. Like, I mean, dude, Goldberg's going to be in Wembley Stadium. Why are we kicking around? Why are we beating around the bush? Like, that that's that's what you're going to do. But they've sold 60,000 tickets without announcing anything. Right. If you're really trying to make a statement, and on some level, and I'm not saying Tony wants to run this at a loss, but I am saying this is one show. We shouldn't just look at this one show as we've got to make sure it's in the black. And Jeff Jarrett and I talk about that a lot on his podcast because Jeff Jarrett was paying his bills with profits from running live wrestling shows. That is not where Tony Khan is in his life or in the AEW business life, especially with this alleged new deal looming. So man, let's just, let's do as big of a show as we can here. And it's okay. If we lose a little bit of money in business, we call that a loss leader, the visual, because a lot of people I'm sure nationally or internationally, whenever they talk about wrestling, they just talk about WWE sort of like Kleenex and tissue or Coke and soda or band-aid and bandage they're interchangeable words to a lot of people but they're not they're a brand and so i'm sure that there is a, a process where we say no well we're not wwe but and what you say after that but is a big deal we just sold out wembley stadium here's a photo oh okay that tells the whole story that's the differentiator to me so i think he pulls out all the stops i would not be surprised to see goldberg spearing some dudes left and right in late august 
I mean, Wardlow would make the most sense, but I don't think the match would be very good. Like, when I think of an AEW opponent for Goldberg, and people are probably going to physically start throwing things at me through their screen, but, like, doesn't Jeff Jarrett make sense? Like, a guy who could go in there and be a straightforward heel, right? Do some dastardly old-school stuff, and then work a match with Goldberg to protect him in a way that maybe a talent that moves a little quicker doesn't. It's, you know what I'm saying? I say from experience, if you were looking to book a last match, you couldn't find a better opponent for that person than Jeff Jarrett. Hadn't even thought about it. You already did this. All right, I already did this, and Jeff Jarrett is the perfect last match opponent. All right, so we're on the same page. If you, need, right, a if you need a grandpa murdered in a parking lot, no problem. I mean, whatever you need, he's got you. Well, uh, lastly here, uh, WWE, Fightful, and again, one last fight. Fightful all over the place this week, by the way. Fightful House of Wrestling. We're the two dominants this week. Fightful, uh, they're saying WWE looking into a big premium live event in Australia. Obviously, you're going to Australia uh, later this year to run your own big event. Any thoughts on just, you know, kind of the activity that seems to be springing up around that Australia market right now with pro wrestling? I'm excited to go. You know, we're going to be uh, in Australia at the very end of June and 1st of July with, uh, with impact. I'm going to do a podcast over there and uh, I expect that we might have some other announcements around that same time about what you could expect beyond WWE in Australia later this year. So I'm excited. I've never been to Australia pumped to go with impact. Glad to hear that, uh, WWE is going. I think it's cool that wrestling, you know, during COVID we were so domestic. I mean, it was just close sets and blah, blah, blah. And now we're like, all right, we're going to run the biggest AEW event in history in, in the UK. And then last year, WWE did it, you know, with clash at the castle. And now we're going to Australia. That's great, man. I love that wrestling is becoming more and more international again. It's a sign of the times. Absolutely. And how about, well, how about the future of Starcast here in the States? Are you going to do another one this year? Have you decided or no? Uh, I have a big call on Wednesday, so stay tuned. Ooh, all right. Well, there we go. That's the perfect end of the show here today. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in here. Premier Streaming Network, again, Tuesday, Thursdays, noon Eastern. That's where you can find House of Wrestling, first run every time. Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday. I'm going to be joined by comedian Martin Morrow. Martin is a huge pro wrestling fan. You may have seen him from the progressive commercials where they're like, uh, you, can, you don't have to be like your dad. You can, or your parents, you can, you know, learn how to do your mortgage or whatever. He's one of those young people that plays an old people. So Martin's going to be here. He's going to be having some fun with me talking pro wrestling. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, check out Bobby Fishmore on the podcast feed, everything else, everything I said at the top of the show. Conrad, what do you want to put over here before we wrap up today? Man, just appreciate everybody so much. Uh, it's been a fun uh, year and we're going to have a great summer. Check out uh, all that we're doing over at adfreeshows.com. Wonderful. Uh, yes, we're at Wrestling House on Twitter. I'm at Nick Hausman on Twitter. Uh, thanks so much for coming to the house, everybody, today. Uh, please, uh, you know, get up, get off out of your chair. Grab your shoes. I'm not pushing you out the door, but it's politely time to leave. You grab your hats. Thank you so much. Appreciate you coming through. You're welcome back anytime. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. 
You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.